0: Welcome to the Not-for-Profit On Purpose podcast series. This series is designed to help guide you on your journey through the not-for-profit space in terms of all things not-for-profit, including structures, setting up your not-for-profit, how you report, board governance, accounting, and anything else you could possibly think of in regards to not-for-profit. G'day, Justin Hogg here from Source talking not-for-profits in the great outdoors. Today, um, a little bit related to another topic we talked about in terms of what happens with boards that aren't performing well, but also, I suppose, who are boards accountable for? And this is an interesting question in terms of um, a board set up or who actually makes sure that they're accountable for what they're doing. Now, it does depend a little bit on the structure that you uh, have in place and the governing document that you have for your organization, be that constitution or member rules or something like that. Um, But effectively, in most instances, it's the members. So when you're an association, incorporated association, the membership uh, of that association is what picks the management committee and effectively, that management rep- committee is reportable back to the, the membership body um, and that that's how they operate. In terms of uh, a company limited by guarantee, or, which is uh, probably the most common company structure in the not-for-profit space, again, it's a similar structure in terms of um, the members of the organisation, um, because there are no shareholders, they're, they're members, are responsible for selecting the board of directors, and the directors that are then uh, obliged to act or to operate the company in, in the best interest of, of that organisation. So ultimately, in a, in the company as well, members are the ones who approve a director of appointment, even if that director of appointment might happen during the year. Generally speaking, the governing document requires that. Um, director that's been appointed to the board to come back through the members. You sometimes do have an exception to that, um, where the board can appoint uh, the board-appointed directors. Now, that is less frequent, but that can happen And in that case. Well, the directors are responsible to the board. So the only sort of caveat with those um, board-appointed directors is, generally speaking, they're on a fixed term. So they're not there for the the long term or forever. but that's another example now, when we say members are responsible and that that's who are responsible for the performance or who the directors are accountable to they can obviously they can change a little bit in terms of what they might look like now an association that tends to be that is how the association tends to be made up is of members who then are very active in the organization now as not for profits grow quite often you can get members who are less active in the organization, or you get even to a stage where a membership body is not active at all and that you struggle with your AGM to get any members to turn up. And this is more so the case in Company Limited by Guarantee, but also in associations. So successful not-for-profits who are doing really well um, sometimes struggle to get their members-, members to come to their AGM to hear about how they've gone, which then makes it sort of, I suppose, a bit harder for the members to be holding the directors to account, and the last sort of situation you can get to is um, in the not-for-profit space with company limited by guarantee. Is sometimes you can end up with a situation where the directors who are on the board are the members. So directors and members are one and the same. So where the board of directors are the members, who holds that board accountable? Where this happens a lot, um, is in startups. So when you start up a not-for-profit, quite often the members and the directors are either the same people or very, very close. Now, you can't really get past that. Um, but obviously as you grow, you do want to bring that diversity in and potentially that will change. But if it doesn't change and you do get larger and you do maintain and end up with that, you know, board, other, other members, who else can hold the board to account? Well, a regulator could to an extent, but generally speaking, they won't. Um, as long as a board is performing and doing the you know, enacting their purpose and using any funds they received in a proper manner, a regulator won't step in and, and hold the board to account. Would it be a donor? Potentially, but probably not. I mean don't donors, especially some more sophisticated donors, do look at the governance of an organization and it may come up there. But, as long as the board is performing well, you know using funds effectively and appropriately, that's not really something that a donor is going to do again customers are, could get involved again as long as the service is being delivered employees that's dangerous to get employees involved in in the um so management of a board because the board's actually managing them so you can get it into this loop so there really isn't an external body that could replace members in terms of holding the board to account. So really the best option here for a board is for them to become self-aware and to effectively understand that they need to monitor their performance and measure their performance and have a process to do that, to really embed that process into the organization in terms of its governance and maybe even its constitution in terms of how that board is reviewed and their performance measured to make sure that they continue to perform well when there's no one else to judge them but themselves so let's go into a little bit more detail so the first obvious part is to get um, an external party into to come to do board review now they can be a little cheap a little expensive there are some cheaper options but that is one way to get someone who isn't part of the board who isn't embedded in the organization and isn't, you know, listening to, isn't potentially getting involved in any groupthink that might be happening. So it's external, different point of view. They can come in. Their one piece of work is to do that review on the board, give their thoughts, and, and leave. So hopefully it's relatively independent. Now, that one piece of work is useful. You do want to continue doing board reviews because it's through that trend that will help find, you know, more interesting information. You might mix in your external review with other cheaper options or an internal review. Uh, maybe your company secretary does that. So there's a at least having a review process in place will give you a chance of finding any issues that might be happening. Now, obviously, in doing a review, you also want to set up performance expectations. So setting now having a position description for directors, having what your expectations of directors and the board is to measure against, again useful so this can become part of your board charter or as a separate board performance policy and process so have your expectations another process that is useful as well is and think something to be mindful of is board tenure or board rotating directors out now you want to have a process a succession planning process skills matrix absolutely but one thing i find useful is if if you have say eight directors on the board and you have a maximum of tenure of eight years, that would allow you to have one new director each year. That process of bringing one new director on each year and one director departing at least allows you to have that ability to have new blood come in each year, to have a different point of view, to help make sure that the board isn't just disappearing into um, a direction or performance level that it doesn't recognize as performing poorly. So that, that director rotation um, is very important. Chair tenure is also important. Now, that's sort of part of the director, director rotation and succession planning. But if you have a director, again, if you have eight-year terms or nine-year terms and you have a director who's a chair for that entire period, there's more risk of a board lapsing into a poor performing process. So really you want to, I suppose, ideally have a chair who... Is picked from a group of group who's been at the organization for a period of time in terms of the directors, has had some time, has comes in, does their chair position, and really probably leaves the board once that's finished and has that, has that shorter term uh, view. Now, again, you may have a process that chairs come in um, and have very short, have shorter terms than the rest of the directors as well to have that impact, um, to have that you know, three or four year. That's how long their chair they're in. They get used to it. They implement their their vision, and then they hand off to the next chair. So that's another thing to look at. And probably then the last thing is look at training. Like if you're self-aware, if you're you know measuring your performance and you've got expectations, well, surely you want to do training to make sure you meet those expectations and you know exceed them. So board training, having external parties come in and talk to your board, um, having your board members go to external organizations like AICD, like Governance Institute, um, like some of the NDIS training. Like, there's a lot of organizations out there that provide training, that provide you the ability to network with other boards and understand what other good boards are doing. So I think that ability to be self-aware and have training is important as well. So that's probably a little bit of a, a discussion in terms of who's a board accountable. Generally, they're accountable to members, and that's, that is who's responsible Members don't always hold the boards to account, which is a little bit of a problem, but also sometimes the board are the members. And in that case, a board really needs to be self-aware to make sure that it's doing the right thing for the organization, which is what their job is. So that's it for today's video. I hope you found that interesting or useful. If if you did, we definitely have a lot of other videos on our YouTube site in terms of not-for-profit and the governance space, so feel free to check those out. Otherwise, I appreciate your time today. Thanks for watching. It's Justin Hogg from RightSource. If you liked what you heard today, feel free to subscribe to the podcast series. And if you'd like some more information, check me out on LinkedIn. I'm happy to connect and answer any questions you might have. Otherwise, thanks for listening. It's Justin Hogg from RightSource.